Hello, ninjas and ninjas, and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, head ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Nathan Ellering from CoSchedule. And Nathan's going to be talking about loads of different stuff. We had a chat about how to write amazing blog posts, how to generate leads from your blog, also how to prioritize your digital marketing and how to think really clearly constructively and logically about where you put your time. He talks us through the concept that co-schedule uses of 10x versus 10%. And I think that's really, really useful. And he also explains why you shouldn't bother correcting any of your blog post spelling mistakes. I think the clarity with which Nathan thinks about marketing is really useful and really important. And it's certainly something that I took from this episode. While I've got your attention, I also want to invite you to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Mastermind Group on Facebook. This is a closed group that we run for business owners and marketing people from around the world. Great place if you've got any questions about digital marketing, you want some feedback, you want some advice, you want to put up some ads for critique, great place to do that. All you need to do is head over to Facebook and search for Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Mastermind. Apply to join and we'll let you in really savvy marketers in there. All the ninjas spend some time in there as well. So it's the best place to get any of your digital marketing questions answered. Anyway, without further ado, enjoy the show. Nathan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me so much. To, or so glad to be here, Tim. Awesome. So perhaps you could kind of set the scene and, and tell us a bit about how you got into digital marketing and ended up at CoSchedule. Yeah. So I was actually at a larger corporate company when I went, but right before I joined CoSchedule and um, had just kind of started blogging on my own about marketing stuff. There were just things that I wanted to be doing, wanted to learn about. And so I was doing that and had this hobby blog that I basically wrote blog posts on Saturdays. And the <laughs> It is kind of fun because our CEO and co-founder Garrett uh, found that blog post that I've been writing and just kind of asked if I would be interested in having a conversation about joining the team at CoSchedule. And the rest is history. I guess um, joined CoSchedule in 2014 and we have grown a lot ever since. So it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's uh, I bet those blog posts had a pretty decent ROI then. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would say. I mean, basically the blog was for me, but... Uh, it it really it really did show that I had some passion beyond just what I was getting in the the forty hours during the week at this larger corporate company. So you know, for anybody who is kind of looking for that next step in their career, I would definitely recommend you know starting that personal blog and and just kind of blogging about the things that you want to be doing with your career. Because I'm one of those success stories. I've heard other people have similar stories with their personal blogs leading to their next position. So definitely try it. <laughs> Fab. And I guess one of the great things about working at CoSchedule is obviously that the whole thing is designed for, I guess, efficiency and, and effectiveness. And, and you've got some, you know, huge companies working using the platform. So I guess that puts you in a really good place to talk about, for example, marketing efficiency. One of the problems that that we often hear from people is that they've got so many different options with digital marketing, like I could be doing blogging, I could be doing social media, I could be doing SEO, I could be doing AdWords. And then, oh my God, there's Snapchat. I'm not even thinking. Like, how do people <laughs> begin to kind of prioritize and, and look at what are the things which are going to be 10x versus 10%? Yeah, I was going to say that's that leads right into something that we talk about at CoSchedule all the time, 10x versus 10%. And so for anyone who doesn't know this sort of framework, 10x is like 
focusing on projects that offer that repeatable, uh, measurable growth. And 10% projects are something that you could, you know, you're, you're maybe doing something right now, but you can do it slightly better. And maybe it'll give you like 10% more results. Like 10x results are 100 times better, right? So 10 times better. And that's the way that we think about it at CoSchedule is focus on 10x growth and forget the 10% improvements. So I guess I, I just grabbed a couple examples because it's this can be a difficult concept to grasp. But an example of a 10x project is the headline analyzer at CoSchedule. We had a growing audience a couple of years ago. And every time we wrote stuff about headlines, people gobbled it up. They really loved it. So what we did was we took everything that we had learned from our database of blog posts from all of our customers and kind of compiled all of that data into a tool to help people write more engaging headlines. And we gave it away for free and it's been a 10X project ever since. It's how a lot of our customers now have discovered CoSchedule and how a lot of people know us or, or even found us, found the blog, found the tool that is CoSchedule from, from this free tool that we built with the headline analyzer. So definitely a 10X thing for us. And then a 10% example is something like we hear all the time, and Tim, I'm sure you hear this too, that you publish a blog post or you publish a web page or you know a social media message or something like that. And people say, oh, oh gotcha. Uh, we found a typo here. Something that we do at CoSchedule is we will never go back into a blog post and fix a typo because uh, someone from the grammar police uh, let us know that there was a typo in it because that's a 10% project, right? If we are focusing our time on all these 10x growth things and we need to stop a project to go into WordPress, to open up the, the blog post, to find where that typo was, to make that correction, to preview it, to make sure that it, everything looks good. All of a sudden, that's like a half hour of our time spent on something that really doesn't enhance that blog post at all. If we correct that one typo, will it result in more pur purchases of CoSchedule? chances are highly not. So we want to focus our time on those projects like doing another tool like the headline analyzer. And we do have another one coming out. It'll be a social media optimizer, which will be pretty fun. So that's kind of how we think about that. I love it. Screw the grammar, police. We're too busy taking over <laughs> the world to deal with your crap. I love, love that. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I think the other thing, so firstly, you know, you said there, will that sell more co-schedules? So you know that your goal you're completely aligned with that. And every single action that comes in, even if it's something that people would, you know, typically consider, oh, oh, I need to fix that. That's embarrassing. Like I need to sort that. You're like, no, we're going to put every task that we have against this, this ultimate goal. We're going to hold everything accountable to, is it going to sell more co-schedules? And if the answer is no, then it's definitely not getting through no matter what it is. That's, that's, that's such dedication to, uh, to, I guess your marketing outcome, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, something that's interesting there that you just kind of said, Tim, was like, you have that question, like, will this help us sell co-schedule? You can do the same thing with whatever business you're in. Will this help us grow XYZ company? And that's really the 10X versus 10%. If you can ask yourself that and for a project that you're doing right now, if you can say this is actually going to uh, result in 10X growth, why not just literally stop doing it? And that's kind of how we prioritize our projects is like asking questions as frameworks is a really great thing. I don't know for any business to do. And we use questions as frameworks all the time at CoSchedule. I love it. And it's, it's such an easy thing for 
the organization to to share amongst everyone right is if everyone's answering that question it saves having to go through like these extended you know task prioritization lists or anything like that it's just one question isn't it is this going to help us sell more co schedule and everything comes against that the other thing i wanted to ask you about cuz you mentioned that your 10x task was building this headline tool and, and I think a lot of people would would create a tool like that and then they'd have it as like a SaaS product, right? They, oh, we've got something cool. We're going to try and try and sell it. But obviously you've used that as a kind of lead generator. So what was the, what was the plan behind this tool? Did you, did you go out thinking we want to make a tool that everyone can use and we're going to make a piece of content that, that will bring us in links and bring us in traffic? Or was it just a project that you were doing internally? Yeah. So uh, that's actually a really interesting thought because we saw the need. We knew it was there. And actually, Headline Analyzer, before we even started working on it, was something that we knew people searched for. So it's a keyword with a high search volume. So we knew there was that need even from like people are looking for this tool. And our own audience had basically told us through data like, oh, we really like anything you guys write about headlines. So and and the other thing was we knew that we could share an interesting tool there because we could use proprietary data to build this thing. So it was based on fact and not just opinion. So that's kind of a fun way to think about it. And as we built it, we really focused on the idea of value, right? This is something that Jay Bear talks a little bit about. Uh, He has a really great book. It's called Utility. And in that, he just basically talks about providing value, uh, providing content that's so helpful, useful, entertaining, or actionable, helps them improve something that people seek it out on their own. So content's so good that people actually want to consume it. And that's what we kind of saw with the headline analyzer was, this is going to be so much more helpful than reading a blog post. Like what if someone could just type in a headline, get a score, type in it again, score higher and higher and higher, and use that headline for their blog post and, and get bigger results. Like that's exactly what people want. So that's the reason for building the tool. And, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, the why behind the metrics and stuff. That tool gets tons of backlinks every single day. Someone writes this roundup post like the top, you know, blog post tools, free tools you should be using. So we get tons of backlinks. So SEO juice uh, to that tool. And in addition to ranking number one for that keyword. And the other thing is that it's definitely helped us grow our email list too. something that we do with that is as you use that free tool and you type in a headline and you want to improve it further and get a higher score with that tool, you obviously want to know a little bit more about the headline analyzer works to be able to improve that score. So uh, we provide a free, you know, like a PDF tear sheet of words to use that are emotionally powerful and will help you get a better score. So uh, by giving that away for free in exchange for an email address, you know, it's a great way for us to build the list. And I guess the other powerful thing about the headline analyzer is it's when we're telling people about, you know, what sort of calls to action should you use? It's also getting people closer to the goal and it's completely related to your core products, right? It's helping them to be more effective with their blogs and with their social media, which is exactly what your core product is about anyway. So it's not like you're giving them a headline analyzer and you're selling, you know, tissue or something like that. This is, <laughs> this is exactly, this is your area of expertise, isn't it? And you're using that proprietary data to make it even more useful. So I think it's really important if people are creating tools that they stick within their kind of expertise level, which is exactly what you guys have done. 
Yeah, we kind of talk about that, like the idea of a content core. So we sell a marketing calendar tool and something that the headline analyzer does is it helps people become really good at marketing. And, you know, this is our whole philosophy is if we can help people be really good at marketing, don't they have more of a reason to use the tool that we offer? And that's the reason to offer a lot of value for free to build that audience who now knows who you are and what your business has to offer is really good at it and kind of mature into the tool that you're selling. And one other point there, Tim, that's really interesting is um, we built the headline analyzer for free, offered it for free. And then what we did later on was we just built that right into CoSchedule. So that was always always the game plan, but we, we kind of vetted it. Like it was uh, the free version was our MVP. Like, is this going to be really good? Should we build this as a feature within CoSchedule? So as you write your content, you can write better headlines right there in the tool. So as a SaaS tool, like maybe you can give something away for free and then build it into your, your tool later on. I love it. So going back to this idea of 10x versus 10%, how do people know which areas or which marketing channels are going to give them the 10x growth versus the 10%? Something like the headline tool might seem like a real risk at the start. So what's the kind of decision process that you guys go through when you're deciding which new activities or new marketing channels to pursue? Yeah, uh, I think for anybody who's new, the world of marketing is so inundated. And you hinted on this, Tim, earlier when it's like, uh, should we be on Instagram, Facebook? Like, what about email marketing? What about building these tools? There's so much to do. So focus becomes the ultimate the ultimate prioritization tool, right? And something that I think about here is effectiveness, even more so than efficiency. So like when you focus on the right things, you are going to grow the business more than just like having an efficient process to do it. So the way that I kind of think about that is, you know, to talk about 10X versus 10% again, if you think about an XY chart, what you want is to kind of think about the X and the Y, it doesn't even matter, but users and value or audience and value. And what you want is to kind of think about the projects that would be up and to the right on that XY chart. So a project that would provide the most value to the largest audience, that's a 10X project. So like something that we do at CoSchedule literally is we will draw these XY charts, we'll write down our ideas on post-it notes and we will put them onto this XY chart. So we look for those things, the ideas that are literally up and to the right. So again, most value, for the most users is kind of how we think about that. That's cool. So, and and then maybe someone's working on a, on something that they think is, is, is going to be up and to the right activity, but it's taking some time to grow. When do they know if this is worth sticking with or whether they should move to something else? Do, do they have to see immediate growth? Like, I guess, taking the headline tool as a, as a kind of example, was this a clear winner straight away or was there a period of building here? Yeah, there. Uh, the headline tool was a winner straight away. By, I mean, we sh- shipped it in the morning, and by that afternoon, we were ranking number one for it. And like, there were thousands <laughs> of headlines written in it by you know weeks end or something like that. So, it was it was a clear winner. But the way that I really think about this, like, let's say you're going to start on a brand new thing that you think is that 10x project, uh, it starts with testing, right? And I like to talk about Seth Godin right now because he. He has this really great quote in his book, Lynchpin. You should definitely read it. But his quote says, if you, if you don't ship, 
you actually haven't done or started anything at all. And so what what I recommend is that, uh, you know, you do not need a 54 page plan to test this hypothesis that you have, like you think it's up and to the right, but is it really? So what you actually need to do is to start. So, you know, and, and have that hypothesis. If I do this, it will boost our results. You know, you just need to do that. And, and then the second thing is, and this is what you were hinting at, is you definitely need to give it some time. And for example, there's a, there's a huge boogeyman stat out there that most blogs fail within three months. I don't even know where people start tossing that around because I can't find anything that actually validates that. Um, but within like, let's say, let's say you have prioritized starting a blog. What I recommend there is to build your content foundation. And what I mean by that is pr- like publishing content that is really, really good. Again, like so valuable, so entertaining, so useful, so helpful that people seek it out on their own. And at first, you don't have any audience, but you're not going to have an audience right away. The content that you're publishing right away within that content foundation is a promise that your future content will be just as amazing. So you need to focus on quality right away and publish lots of it. And eventually people are going to start to take notice and eventually people start to share it with their friends. And eventually you'll start to rank for keywords and eventually those things will come. But the very first thing you need to do is hone that core skill of just publishing useful content consistently. And you have to give it some time for everyone. It's different. But I would say, you know, at least six months on a test, like starting a brand new blog is well worth it. So in the way that I think about that too, uh, whether this is blogging, whether it's starting a new social channel, whether it's starting ads, is that content really exists to build a build trust and trust builds a relationship. People buy from people they know, like, and trust. It's the old marketing adage, right? So content is the way for you to build a relationship online, even with people who may have never noticed you before. So that sort of content should not talk about you. Like if this is a conversation, it's not all about you. It's about them. So it goes back to providing value that people will seek out on their own. Yeah, I, I completely agree. We saw uh, exactly what you're describing with our own blog. We, you know, we talk all day and we tell clients all day, like, you got to use your blog, you got to use your blog. And then I think like middle of last year, some of the ninjas started saying, hey, Tim, we, we really should be blogging. We really need to do this. And I was like, oh, yeah, but we're so busy doing all this. And then we finally started <laughs> doing it. And you're right, for the first couple of months, wasn't a lot. And then all of a sudden, before we know it, we're getting more than 60% of our traffic through the blog. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm glad we did that. And I'm glad we stuck with it. I guess the other thing about when you're starting a blog or when you're starting to really blog properly, rather than just putting out a news release and, hey, our website's launched and, hey, Bob from accounts has moved on or whatever, is is that your first few posts are, are going to be rubbish. So it's kind of useful that you're not getting many readers yet, right? And then you just go back and you improve them and you constantly focus on putting out quality, like you say, and you use that time when things are a little bit quieter to, to build up your own shops and, and, and develop and, and work out what people are finding interesting so that when things do start to kick off, then you're already kind of well-versed. It's that whole 10,000 hours or practicing music or whatever. It's the same kind of vibe, right? Yeah. Uh, and actually, Tim, there's this really great quote from Zig Ziglar that it basically says the same thing that you just said, but 
He says, you don't need to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. So those first few things that you publish are just probably not going to be the best thing in the world, but you need to to get it out there and ship it. Like you can't build a skill if you actually don't do anything. So, I mean, the very first thing you need to start, you need to start. And I don't know, I, I think about skills a lot. Uh, within marketing every every project that you take on is a new skill like let's say you want to start publishing new tools every week or every month like it's probably not something that you're doing right now you need to think about it like building a skill so you need to start you need to ship something it's not going to be the best thing in the world you, it gave you that chance to understand what the challenges were and then it gives you a chance to hone the process and fix what was sloppy at first right you can nail that really that core thing behind it like for you know, if you want to start blogging, for example, all you need to do at first to to become a blogger is to write a blog post and ship it. That is all you need to do. Afterward, then you can start to really master the skill. And that's like optimizing it further. So now that you can write well um, and your blog posts are great, now you can start worrying about SEO. And maybe that's the first thing you concentrate on first is just how do I optimize this for keywords so that people can find the content that I'm publishing? Maybe after that, you you hone the skill or you master like design behind it. Like how can I keep people's attention there? And then maybe you focus on optimizing that blog post to convert people into email subscribers and so forth. But the very first thing you need to do is just start. And if you don't start, you will never actually you know produce any results. And don't beat yourself up if it's not great and it doesn't smash it immediately and you're not getting like loads and millions of visitors straight away i guess it's like you're gonna write probably five rubbish blog posts before you do any good ones so hey may as well get started writing some rubbish <laughs> yeah absolutely like if you don't start you don't do anything so yeah you know start <laughs> you guys actually have a, a framework don't you for for quality blog posts could you talk us through that yeah so um at CoSchedule, we are very data-driven and um, this goes actually back to starting, like start, have a really good idea of what your audience might like and and start publishing things. And then what we do afterward is we'll look at what we've published and kind of see what is among the top performers based on our goals, right? We, we kind of talked earlier, like my goal is to sell CoSchedule. Um, so I look at the content that we are publishing on the blog that is selling the most CoSchedule and then we'll try to replicate those qualities in the future content we publish. It makes a lot of sense, right? Content is data. So that's the way that we think about it. And um, so we look at those qualities and have developed kind of what we call a standard of performance. And this is a, a term I've loosely adapted from Bill Walsh's book, The Score Will Take Care of Itself. It's a great book. So definitely read that. Our 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 metrics or our qualities for blog posts are a really great topic. So it needs to be something that our audience would actually want to read. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but with a with a conversation, you can talk about yourself a little bit, but most of the time you want to be talking about that other person, right? Um, we want to do the same thing on our blog. It's not about us. It's all about them. So we want to figure out what they really care about and what's in it for them. Like if they click to read this blog post that we're writing, what will they get from it? And that's that's what we focus on with the topic. Second thing we do is we make sure that it's keyword driven. Um, tons of our traffic comes from search engines and we want to be there for that because uh, we believe that if someone is searching for something and we can position CoSchedule as the, you know, the top solution for that keyword, 
they'll have a reason to, you know, that it'll help them find us. There's intent behind it. So for example, if we can rank for marketing calendar, which is a synonym for what CoSchedule is, that's really good for us because we'll teach them through a blog post how to do a marketing calendar really well, which connects the dots right into CoSchedule really nicely. So topic keyword, the next thing that we focus on is research. All of CoSchedule's content is based on fact. Um, you know, if we had a blog post about how to write headlines that will increase traffic, you better bet that we actually have the data that backs up these headlines increase traffic. Um, so that's, you know, a, just a, a really great thing. So there are a lot of blogs out there that just kind of have claims um, it, or they say, you know, really great headline, but nothing's backed by fact. We want to make sure that we are accurate, I guess. This does, that's super interesting. And it's, um, I don't think that's like the standard approach, is it? Normally you'd look at what's, what's my expertise and, and people would automatically default to their own opinions and their own expertise rather than saying, um, you know, what, what, what's the data telling us? And uh, the other thing I think was really interesting is almost like the co-schedule blog is a, is a thinking of it kind of like a productivity blog rather than a co-schedule blog, right? It's information and, and help for people rather than just this is a place that we put the news about our business. I think that's a really important distinction that many businesses are yet to make, let's say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, you kind of nailed it because the, the number one thing that matters in our content is actionable. And and I love that you described the blog as a productivity blog because that's exactly what we want it to be. We want it to be the number one how-to marketing blog in the world. And we don't, you know, why would you publish content if it's not going to be the best thing on the internet for that specific topic that you're covering? Something that we want to do is anytime we have a how-to post or a step-by-step post, that it walks people through how to solve a problem verbatim. We don't take anything for granted. We don't think that you know what we're talking about. We will walk you through it whether we know it or not. And that kind of goes back to research. Like We, we want to figure out what our audience wants. We'll research that. And then we we answer the question whether we knew what the answer was or not. Like our our opinions don't matter. We're going to deliver what our audience expects us to deliver. Oh, that's interesting. So you're purely starting from the audience. What are their needs? What are their goals? And then we're just going to give it to them. You're not really thinking about yourselves here at all. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really interesting thing because, you know, I was saying earlier that we want to publish more content that attracts people to buy CoSchedule, right? But it also connects into the other idea that we want to publish content that helps people become better marketers, because if they become better marketers, they have more of a reason to use CoSchedule. And so something that's interesting with with our standard of performance here is that all of it is given away for free, extremely valuable, teaches people how to do this on their own. But if you want to get organized better, if you want to have a tool designed to do this for you instead of the free, you know, we give away free templates all the time, like spreadsheets and whatnot. If you want a tool that's designed to do this, CoSchedule is the logical next step. And we found that that strategy works extremely well for building an audience who's interested in the content that CoSchedule has to offer and then uh, subsequently becomes interested in the tool that we are selling. So once you've got these blog posts, what's the plan? When, when or I guess the question before that is, when do you decide how you're going to promote these posts? Is this something that you do up front or is this something that you do once you've got the post sorted? Yeah, blog posts are, are an interesting beast because we will basically have 
a, a, a comprehensive blog post written and designed within a two week period. So we write the first week and we kind of design the second week. Uh, something that we do is for every blog post, we have a social media campaign that we just attach to it. So we can write those social media messages as we write that blog post and kind of have it ready to go while we do that. Also, we send an email to our audience of like 170,000 email subscribers. For every blog post we publish, we'll send them an email too. So we, we think about promotion at the moment that we start a project like a blog post, but we do other larger projects too. For example, when CoSchedule releases a feature uh, within our tool, so a feature would be something like social media automation. We, we have a new feature called Requeal. And when we launch that, we're not just going to share it through social media and send one email. There's probably a, a larger promotional campaign that we will plan around that. So something that we do there, our process looks like this. Uh, the very first thing that we do is we think through all of the ways that we could promote that feature. It's, a, it's a, just a really simple list. We literally just write down, you know, what about email, social media, ads? Uh, should we send like a physical letter to people? I don't know. We think of everything. After that, after that, we just, you know, kind of focus on what we can realistically take on in the time frame we have available. So, you know, we don't have unlimited resources. So we kind of ask ourselves again, like a question framework, what can we realistically take on with the people we have and the budget that's available to us? So that's the second thing. The next thing we do is like for the actual pieces that we have taken on, for example, as part of the promotion for a feature release, we may decide that a webinar is good. So something that we would do then at that point for the webinars, we'll break down all the tasks that would be associated with that piece of content. And, you know, for example, uh, we may need to write, uh, design the deck and schedule promotion for that, for that webinar that promotes this other larger thing. So at this point, we kind of just break down every single bigger promotional piece into a task list. And we kind of ask ourselves, you know, who does what and when, how much time to give everybody on the team to realistically execute. That's when we think about that. And then, you know, once we have that, we actually know how, how soon we should be starting on working on that promotion. So let's say, you know, for example, if you're writing a social media campaign and you find out that you need to schedule your social messages one day before your launch, that means you need to design those social messages two days before launch and probably write them at least three days before launch. So realistically, you need to start working on that campaign three days before launch. So that's the point of like coming up with that task list. And that works with any, any project you're taking on, but come up with that task list first. And then you can really see like, oh, well, I guess I need to start working on this XYZ days before we publish. Wow, that is so ordered and organized. Amazing. As I guess you'd expect from a, a scheduling company, right? <laughs> we try to be organized. <laughs> I just want to throw a complete curveball. As social media is getting more into kind of scheduling and, and a lot of automation, where do you think this, where do you think, for example, Twitter, where is Twitter going? Now, when I log on to Twitter and you follow someone, you immediately get a DM back and it's just a bit like, oh my gosh, the automation has gone crazy. What do you guys think the future of social is and, and where are we going over the next few years? Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm, I'm with you. I don't like the auto DMs. It's supposed to be like a personal thing, but you can tell it's, it's not. 
with social media automation, something that I think about, at least from, from a perspective of sharing your content, or let's just say that you have, you know, you're perusing some of the blogs you really like and, and you grab something and curate it for you to share in your own social media posting schedule. The way that I see social media automation is that it's, it's fine to share your content more than once or to share something you've curated more than once. And I say that because, it, and we're talking about Twitter, right? I think the average lifespan of a tweet is around 30 seconds. The chances of your entire following seeing your one tweet about your blog post that you just spent like eight hours writing is relatively low. So why not share that more than once on your social networks so that your full audience can read or see it? You know, it increases your reach. So something that we've actually done a little bit of research on that because CoSchedule is, you know, a tool that can help you share your content to social media really easily. And we found that within even a week, if you share your content six more times, you can increase your traffic by, I think it was like a thousand, I think it was about a thousand percent. It was insane. So it just goes to show that uh, you should share your content more than once. And 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 I, I, I really think about the amount of work that you put into something and the output you want from that, right? So there are a lot of marketers out there who suggest that however much work you put into creating something is just as much work as you should put into the promotion behind it. And automating social media or sharing your message more than once can definitely help you do that. So I don't know if that's exactly what you were looking for, Tim, but it, you know, let me know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I also agree on the kind of cycling thing. I, I remember following um, a blogger, I actually interviewed her recently for, for, for the podcast. And it was the first time I'd seen someone constantly post the same thing. And it was an interview that she'd done. And I saw it the first time. I was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And then I saw it again the same day. And I was like, wow, she's posted that again. I wonder if she like originally deleted the post. And then I saw it again the next morning. And I thought, wow, she's really kind of hammering this. And then I saw it again. And then I clicked on it. And I thought, ah, Okay, so I obviously needed to see that four times before I went onto her site. <laughs> so obviously it works, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good example too. Like, so you saw it, but you didn't click, but you might've been interested, but now that's buried way deep in your Twitter feed. You know, something that that, that I would probably change for that person is that, let's say you only have one blog post scheduled. Well, you, you don't want to probably tweet that out 15 times in a single day. And so yeah. <laughs> what I would advocate there is that, you know, share your new stuff, obviously, but also bring in some of your older evergreen stuff and mix up your social media posting schedule. Like there's there's a lot of research that says you can tweet 15 times a day to an account, not lose your following, but get the most reach for the content that you're sharing. For those 15 tweets, I would advocate that you have 15 different posts that you're sharing or it's mixed up with some curation, or maybe you share some, you know, productivity quotes that would help people out. So, you know, mix up the social messages that you share, and then automation won't be, you know, it, it's a non-issue at that point. Yeah. So I guess automation, just like anything, is a tool, isn't it? It's just how you use it. You can either use it to be really annoying, or you can use it to provide something that's really genuinely valuable and, and amplify what you're doing, I suppose. Uh, absolutely. I couldn't say that better. <laughs> cool. So one final question before we uh, before we wrap up, you mentioned that CoSchedule's email list is 170,000. That's sick. How did you do that? <laughs> you know, uh, 
we we followed that advice from Jay Bear and his book Utility and started publishing content so helpful and useful and step-by-step driven that people sought it out on their own to solve their problems. So really we we thought about what problems are people facing and how can we solve that by publishing content? And that's that's really exactly what we did. Uh, a few years ago, we kind of figured out that, okay, so we're publishing these blog posts. What if we provide additional value behind something? Like, let's say you uh, ended up on our blog looking to looking for a marketing calendar, you know, as your keyword. Oh, great. Marketing calendar. I'm going to learn how to do this in that blog post. Then we would provide a marketing calendar template. It's an Excel sheet. So it's editable, immediately useful. People can grab that and start planning their stuff and get really good at, at marketing. So we gave that template away for free, but we gated it. And so every single blog post on the CoSchedule blog uh, for the last two and a half years has a download available in it that is very specific to that piece of content. So that's something that we doubled down on and provide value not only just through the blog post, but through the content we provide through that gate. And I mean, that helped us grow a lot. Another thing is Headline Analyzer helped us grow a lot too. Another thing that we've done is once we had all of these resources available in all of our blog posts, we kind of asked ourselves, well, we literally have hundreds of free templates like Excel sheets and Word docs and PDFs and tear sheets and checklists. Why don't we just take those and put them into a resource library where if someone wants to search for a marketing calendar template, they can literally just find it right there. They don't have to read that blog post. They can just find it within these resources. So I don't know, I guess that that was a big way that we grew, but all of it again comes back to just what do people actually want? And what we've really found is that people want help. People want help knowing how to execute and they feel better by knowing that other people have used the template that they are now using. Like they can take that back to the team and say, no, this is, this is proven to work. Like CoSchedule actually uses these templates to help them. Or, you know, I know this person who has used this template to help grow their business. So that's how we've kind of done it. That's cool. I love that. The, the blog thing that you mentioned where you've got the blog post and then you have a download which is related to that topic and maybe a bit more in depth or maybe like a complete summary or something like that. So you basically have lots of different lead magnets set up for each, each individual blog post, right? Yeah, yeah. And the way that we think about that is every blog post is optimized for conversion. So, and it's optimized for keywords. So let's say someone brand new searches for marketing calendar in Google ends up on the blog post about marketing calendars. What we want to do is we think of every blog post as the homepage of CoSchedule. They probably have never seen us before. It's yes. We get a lot of new traffic. So how can we try to keep that person coming back? And the best way that we can do that is by getting them on our email list. And we know, you know, we prioritize building our email list because we know people who see our message more than once, kind of like your example with the, the Twitter lady, <laughs> it, they're more likely to know who we are, come back and then trust us. You know, we build the trust through the content and, you know, it kind of translates in the tool. If their content is so good, I wonder what kind of tool they offer. So that's kind of how we think about it. I love that you said we treat every blog post like a homepage. It's, 
it's so um, frustrating to me to see when we're looking through analytics and we see a site that has loads of traffic coming in on the blog and then it's got a huge bounce rate because they just read the blog post and then they're gone and it's just you know, everyone's like, oh, my site's got, you know, loads and loads of traffic, but organic traffic just doesn't convert. And it's because it's all going to blog post. They're not doing anything to position their service at all. That blog post is just a piece of information just put up in the middle of the air. There's no information about them at all. There's no call to action. There's no internal links sending them back through to the, you know, the rest of the site. That's so important, isn't it? Every, every page on your site is a potential landing page. So it needs to do a good job of taking that visitor from where they are now converting them, getting their contact details somehow, and then you've got a chance of relationship and, and a sale. That's just, yeah, that's killer. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Love uh, it. The, the other thing there, and you kind of hinted on this, is to to drop those bounce rates. Like, just make sure you cross-link to your other content. Like, as people come to your site, you can start to see how many pages they have visited, right? What you want to do is make sure that you talk about some of the same things from your other blog posts and just link to them and try to keep them on your site because the more opportunities they have, like maybe maybe someone discovered us through marketing calendar, but what they really wanted was a social media calendar template. And I linked to that blog post from marketing calendar. Now they download that template. You know, I want to try to get them to the, the what they want. Um, and crosslinks yeah. are a really great way to do that. And then what are you doing with those guys? So you've, you've converted them on this lead magnet that's related to the specific blog post. Are you putting them on an email list which is targeted to that topic or are you just putting them all into one big list and then you've got some kind of follow-up piece with them? What's the, what's the process in the back end? Yeah, that's interesting because we've, we've tested this. So if someone downloads, let's say the social media calendar template, it would make sense for them to go into a social media list, right? Mm-hmm. Or marketing calendar. Maybe we have a marketing project management list. We started segmenting that way. And then sending our emails, you know, when we publish something new about marketing uh, project management, we would send it to those people who are interested in that. Um, so we tried segmenting that way for a while. And then we were like, what if we just, you know, publish this new post on how to organize everything uh, within your marketing campaign? And we we're like, what if we just sent this to everybody? And what we noticed was when we sent an email to 170,000 people, the amount of conversions increased dramatically. It wasn't even close to the same. So anyways, I would suggest this to anybody who's really, really deep into segmentation and thinking about, you know, oh, if they subscribe from this blog post, that means they're interested in this. Use data to tell you what literally works and what doesn't. And base that data on your number one goals. Like for CoSchedule, it's going to be trying to get people interested in our tool, right? So what I base that on and how I send emails is 100% focused on that goal to help CoSchedule grow as a business. After all, marketing is about generating profitable customer action. So my email list doesn't exist to reduce the amount of unsubscribes. It exists to increase (laughs) the amount of people buying CoSchedule. So all I'm saying is uh, with an email list of 170,000, I'm obviously doing something um, right there, like, not, <laughs> and, and that came off kind of snooty. I didn't mean it that way, but um, yes, we get lots well, of. Well, I think you are, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, quantitatively, so. you are. <laughs> you are doing something right. <laughs> right. So, anyway, <laughs> uh, 
So, okay, cool. Nathan, this has been amazing. Obviously, the, the reason you've done the, the podcast is because this is an opportunity to grow CoSchedule. So how can we find out more about CoSchedule? <laughs> how can people find out more about you? Yeah, excellent. Uh, yeah, you picked up on that. <laughs> um, yeah, so you can find out more about CoSchedule at coschedule.com. And I'm a frequent blogger on our on our blog there. So you can definitely cruise over to coschedule.com slash blog and and check out what we are publishing there. Otherwise, uh, you, can, you can catch me on Twitter. My handle is N-J-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-G. And with that, I guess, t- Tim, thank you so much for, for having me. I, I really appreciate this. It was a lot of fun. Dude, it's been fantastic. I think people are going to take a lot from it. And it's so nice to have such a sense of clarity on stuff as well. The organization and clarity that, that comes from your advice, I think, is, is really valuable. So thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and uh, catch us next week for more Explosion Ninja digital marketing podcasts.